Good morning, Ping Skillers, and welcome to episode 81 of the Ask the Coach Show, where we answer your table tennis questions. Today, we discuss the results from the Qatar and the Sofia Open. We also talk about what to do when kids cry during matches, if topspin is the best way to counter a long serve, and how does speed affect spin. As always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thanks, Jeff. And, uh, yeah, interesting interesting show today, I think. Uh, yeah, been watching a bit of uh, table tennis over the over the last couple of days. So, yeah, interesting to, to discuss some of that. Yes, indeed. Well, let's just kick it off, Alois, with some uh, quick answers to the Ping Skillers question of the day. So um, yesterday we had, oh, sorry, on Friday we had one. Who is the hungriest for the World Championships in 2015? What are your thoughts would, on this one? Yeah, I would think Fan Zendong. You know, he's up and coming. I think he's uh, he wants to take the mantle of, uh, you know, the top Chinese player. So uh, for me, Fan Zendong. But whether he's got the goods to actually take the title, I don't know. But I reckon he is the hungriest. Ooh, okay. And what about Zheng Um, you know, going for another world title? Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, when when you're going for another world title, I don't know. I haven't been in that position. I'd love to have been in that position. But um, is he still as hungry? You know, he's done it before. Yeah, I, it's a good question because he might set a record, you know, and just prove himself again. So, and, you know, I guess... In that environment, you've got to stay hungry, otherwise you fall down pretty quickly. So I'm going to go for Zhang Zikur. There you go. All right. Excellent. All right. Well, let's move on to the Pink Skillers question for today, which is, should the ITTF put in place stricter rules to stop ex-Chinese players playing for different countries? So leave a comment, go to pingskills.com, click on the blog link and leave your comment. We'd love to hear you about this issue. Or you can leave a comment on our YouTube channel. All right, Alois, so now we just want to have a bit of a talk about some of the tournaments that have been going on around the world. Yeah, so um, it, it, uh, one thing that struck me was uh, the Safira Open, which is one of the big um, Swedish Open tournaments, probably one of their biggest Swedish Open tournaments. Um, and a young Japanese 11-year-old, 11, yes, 11-year-old, made the final of the men's singles. So his name was Tomokazu Harimoto. Um, on the way, he beat Omar Asa from Egypt. So Omar's 43 in the world at the moment, and then he beat Jens Lundqvist from Sweden, so number 71 in the world. Um, like, just blew my mind because, you know, we always talk about it takes 10 years of hard training to... I mean, this this guy really start at one? <laughs> Indeed. And if you watch some video of him playing, um, especially against uh, Jens, you see just how aggressive he is the whole match. And his backhand is incredible. It's like this topspin, but he takes it off the bounce every time and just rips it. Um, I think he's copied some of the um, other Japanese players and is just playing this really fast game, taking the ball early, heaps of topspin. And for an 11-year-old, it almost looks out of place in playing these backhands against Yen, who's like this big, strong man. Um, amazing to watch. And, uh, yeah, yeah, look out for Tomo in the future. 
Yeah, he looks so fast, doesn't he? He looks so fast around the court uh, compared to Jens. I mean, Jens is um, bigger, he's older, um, all that sort of stuff. But um, but Harimoto just is like just this little terrier running around the court. And, and you know, the, the other thing that really impressed me was his forehand flick. He goes for some almighty forehand flicks um, during the game. So, he, you know, the ball's just there and just cracking winners um, off reasonable sort, reasonably sort of short serves. So, yeah, watch out for... Old Harry Moto. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's what you talked about a few episodes ago with the Japanese, you know, taking risks and just, you know, going for it. And you're right, that foil flick is amazing. <laughs> and then the other tournament that happened was the Qatar Open. Um, so no Chinese were playing this, so we were wondering, could Dmitry Ovcharov win the title? What happened, Alois? Well, firstly, yes. So, and we've been, been uh, neglecting the to wish everyone a happy Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, um, yeah, uh, for the last couple of days. Um, and that's why... Happy Chinese New Year, everybody. Yeah. And that's why the Chinese weren't playing in Qatar. But, um, yeah, like, it, it, you know, things open up then for the European players and um, and the uh, and uh, Chongqi uh, Yuan was there as well. So, so we had... Ovcharov, we had Freitas, we had Samsonov, and Chuangchi Yuan were the big four of the tournament. And um, Ovcharov uh, beat Freitas in the in the semis. I think it was four one, maybe uh, four two. Um, and then um, Samsonov beat Chuangchi Yuan four nil in the semis as well. So um, set up a really you know good matchup between Samsonov and Ovcharov, and Samsonov took it. So Samsonov wins 4-1. Again, the thing that struck me was the four sets that Samsonov won were like 11-9s, 15-13, So although all those close sets, you know, Samsonov was able to close them out. So, um, yeah, um, really interesting result. And, uh, you know, I love Samsonov. The other interesting thing, watching Samsonov, and I haven't seen much of it because on really late last night or early this morning, um, our time. Um, but Samson, I'm using more backhand serves. So, um, yeah, interesting to see. Okay. So you've still got a little question mark over Ovtrov's mental ability just to, to win these big matches, Alex. Yeah, we, we've sort of discussed it before. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Ovtrov is a superstar, you know, um, but... Uh, yeah, just hasn't been able to close out some some big titles. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, he's um, he's as I say, you know, sensational player. Wouldn't mind to be uh, one quarter of his ability, but um, yeah. Indeed, yes. And um, and sometimes these things just click and then results start happening. So we'll keep following Ovtrov's progress. All right. So that wraps up the tournaments that were interesting tournaments that were on. Um, so let's oh, move into. Sorry. Oh yes, one, yep. Yeah, yeah. One other thing. Sorry, from Qatar Open, I was watching um, some of the women's semi. I think it was semi or quarter, um, with um, Feng Tianwei playing uh, Han Ying, a, a German chopper. And something that really struck me was the number of times that Han Ying chopped the ball higher, and um, Feng Tianwei missed that ball. So she was doing a lot of higher backspin balls. You know, we talk about 
that being a, an, an awkward stroke for for the beginners, you know, we, we get a lot of questions about that. You know, um, I serve the ball, the ball they push the ball high with backspin and I miss the ball. Fen Chang Wei, one of the best players in the world, was having the same problem. You know, the ball was up higher, becomes a little bit more of an awkward stroke um, up there. Um, it's, a, it's an area that players don't practice very much. And she was hitting the ball quite flat from up there and the ball was really diving um, down off her bat a lot of times. I mean, she would have made three to four errors like that per game um, against Han Ying. Um, and Han Ying's a, a player that she has never beaten, so she's now lost three times, and she lost 12-10 in the seventh. Um, had two match points in the seventh, and I think had two game points in the fifth as well at 10-8. And, and again, you know, that, that higher higher ball let her down. So, um, yeah, interesting. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not just uh, the starters or, you know, club players that have problems with that. And the thing that she wasn't doing well, I think, was she was hitting the ball really flat, just wasn't spinning that ball and lifting it um, over to get a little bit more margin for error. So, yeah, some uh, another interesting thing from the old Qatar Open. Yeah, so I guess from that we can learn we've got to try different things during a match and play to um, try and exploit your opponent's weaknesses. Yeah, and also also just overcome... Um, you know those those difficult strokes that that might be troubling you. You know, I think it happened way too often in the match, um, especially for an experienced player like Fen Chang Wei. Yeah. Okay. So if you've got a weakness like that, develop it, work on it, and um, try and fix it. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, Alois, um, we have a question from Nigel, who says, "I was umpiring a junior match between a boy and a girl about ten to thirteen years old." The girl won the first game and the boy the second. After that, the girl came out crying. This seemed to put the lad off. How should you handle this sort of situation? Yeah, so as the umpire, there's probably not a lot you can do. Um, but hopefully the coach or parent or something um, can step in. I mean, one really easy way is just take the kid and say, all right, that's, that's enough. You've had enough. Um, let's let's go. We'll hop off the court now. It's not like you're quitting. It's not like it's just there's no need to put a ten year old through stresses like that, um, you know, and and have them crying, and then it affects, as you said, affects the kid up the other end. And um, yeah, just just say, all right, that's enough. Let's go. We'll um, we'll hop off the court and um, and get ready for you know something else later in the day. So yeah. Yes. And I guess, um, yeah, especially when they're young, it's no no point putting them under stresses like that. But then on the other end of the scale, we see this 11-year-old come up and make the final, but I guess that that's a totally different type of situation that we're talking about here, Alois. Oh, man, that still blows my mind. <laughs> and, and, and it's really pertinent, isn't it, when you're talking about these 10, 10 to 13-year-olds, you know, crying and emotionally not being being ready to play uh, competitively, and then there's 11 year olds out there making the final of Sophia. Like, whoa. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Okay, so Ernest has a question, Alice, and Ernest asks Is topspin stroke the most effective way to counter a long serve? Are there any strokes to return long serves? Maybe you can suggest me another way to return a long serve effectively. Yeah, so. I think I think the top spin is the most effective way. 
um, certainly, because if if the ball comes long and you push the ball back, it has to basically go long. Um, you're going to allow the opponent um, in to make an attack. the The thing is, though, that at um, at a club level, or you know, when you're when you're learning spin, it's okay if you really are struggling to make the top spin on the on the table in a match situation to just go back and push the ball back or chop the ball back. The key there is to keep the ball low, keep the ball deep, um, and try to generate as much backspin as you can. So that will make it as hard as possible for the, for the server to make the attacking stroke uh, on the next ball. So yeah, so definitely at, as you get to a higher level, making the top spin is the way to go. But um, if you're struggling in a match situation, think about just going back, take half a step back, give yourself a little bit more time, um, the ball spinning a little bit less, and then you can um, then push the ball back. Okay, good advice, Alois. Yeah, so we've actually just got a new HD version of the forehand top spin off backspin, so I'll put a link in the show notes so you can watch that and work on your top spin stroke because that's where you want to get to. But as Alois said, if you're struggling, it's an important match and you don't think you can make the shot, when you do the push, think about those things that Alois said and also think about the placement and going to your opponent's weakest side. All right, thanks for the question, Ernest. Okay, now um, next up we have a question from, let's go with um, Kustab, who says, how does speed affect spin and vice versa? Ah, yeah, interesting question. So often we say we hear people say that, you know, I'm putting a lot of spin on the ball, but the ball just keeps going straight. If you put a lot of spin but a lot of speed on the ball, the forward momentum will mean that the ball won't curve, won't curve much. It'll keep going straight. The ball is still spinning though, okay? So there's still a lot of spin on that ball when you're, when you're doing that. So the ball's spinning around really fast, but because you've got a lot of speed, the ball will continue in a, in a straighter line. Um, so the slower um, ball, so if you're spinning at the same amount as you were before, but you're hitting the ball a little bit slower, the ball will tend to curve um, a lot more, and when it hits the table, it'll bounce more sideways. So speed um, gets the ball to, to travel in more of a straight um, path, but the ball is still spinning um, effectively. When, when it hits your opponent's bat, if there's a lot of speed on the ball and a lot of spin, the ball is going to come out really fast. It's still going to be effective. So the ball, because of the ball spinning, it's still going to kick off sideways and it's going to be hard to control um, for your opponent. If you, if you serve the ball slowly with side spin, um, then the ball isn't going to come out as fast. It's going to have lots of curve in the air, um, and it's also a little bit easier for the opponent to read because of the curve in the air. So yeah, so has a few has a few little effects, interesting effects there. Um, you know, speed and spin. Yeah. So what's what's more important, speed or spin? Then. Um, I well depends on the the ball and the situation. So on the serve, I think spin definitely. Um, because you have to bounce the ball on your side of the table. Um, after that, it's a combination of speed with topspin um, in most of your strokes. So, so generating as much topspin as you can, and then um, the, the topspin will actually allow you to 
put more speed on the ball because the ball will dip quicker. So and that's the important part. So the ball will dip quicker with the top spin, which means that even the ball's travelling faster, it's still going to dip down onto the table rather than sailing straight off. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for that. Excellent question, Gustav. All right. Next up, we've got one from Brock. Hi, Brock. And Brock says, hey, Ping Skills, how can I block a loop with backspin and sidespin on it? The tall guy started doing this last time. How can I block it? I can block normal loops. Yeah. Um, sidespin, backspin. Interesting, huh? So what he's actually doing is he's he's um, he's top spinning the ball, but he's just he might be coming underneath, so he's curving his wrist and turning his back back a little bit when he's doing when he's doing the top spin. So it, I mean, even if he hasn't got backspin of it on it, if he's just got pure side spin, it'll feel like it's got backspin. Um, you know, when when we see someone loop, we sort of tend to play for the top spin on the ball and we come over the ball more. So if it's just got pure side spin, the ball's going to tend to drop down um, a little bit more. So, um, so to counter that, you need to allow for the angle of the side spin, and then also if there is a little bit of backspin, just turn your back back a fraction or just lift the ball a little bit more. Um, can be an awkward stroke to get back, but it's also a difficult stroke to play. It's not something that he should be relying on. The tall guy, the old tall guy. Um, shouldn't be able to um, play that effectively enough or fast enough to really trouble you. So when you see that ball coming, you can just alter the angle of your racket or it is also possible to topspin that ball back. So if you really brush that ball hard with topspin, um, not fast, but spin it fast, um, you'll, you'll counter that ball as well because you can't play a side spin, backspin ball fast because the ball hasn't got the dip on it. So. Exactly, yeah. Good good advice there. Yeah, I find that an awkward shot to block like you mentioned, Alois, because you've got to get the angle to counter the side spin and, yeah, it just becomes a little awkward. But with practice, you can get it. But like you said, Alois, it's not an easy shot for your opponent to play, so the tall guy is not going to be able to play that shot easily. And especially if you're putting pressure on him to start with, like if you can get a good serve in and make a top spin first, it's hard for him to play that shot. And even if you play a good block, you know, unless he's got a lot of time, it's a difficult shot for him. So, um, yeah, keep the guy under pressure and, um, yeah, work on those, those uh, little tips that Alloys gave you, Brock. Good luck. We're waiting for you to beat the tall guy, Brock. I'm sure you can do it. Okay. Next question is from uh, Baswa, who says, what are the exercises that we can do to improve our movement and balance while playing table tennis? Yeah, so um, a lot of a lot of footwork drills are, are the key here. So so doing a lot of drills where you you're doing some regular movements, so moving from side to side, um, and doing um, footwork. So you do might do a forehand forehand drill or a backhand forehand drill. And just making sure that you're balanced with your feet, um, with equal pressure on both feet, as much as you can, and moving sideways so that you can um, make those make those strokes well. So yeah, lots and lots of footwork drills as well. Yeah, good one. Okay, uh, Lucas has just jumped on Alloys and asked a question using the Google Q and A app. Thanks for the question, Lucas. And Lucas says, "What's the best way to counter a really heavy topspin?" 
Yeah. So a heavy topspin can be really awkward because the ball's dipping quite quickly and often it isn't that fast. So blocking it is, so there's three real options. So blocking is one way. So when you're blocking though, just make sure that you're, you've got your bat over the ball to counter that topspin. If you have the bat flat, it's going to tend to go up a little bit too much. So really come over that ball. Um, the other thing is to make sure that you're really that you're close to the ball. So often I see um, players do this and they they have their bat right out there because the ball's coming slowly and out there the ball it's hard to control the ball. The ball tends to fly up. So getting nice and close to the ball to block it. Or if you're in a good position, then you can really punch through that one as well. Um, and the third option is to counter top spinner. So um, yeah, we've got it. We've actually got a, a lesson on that. Um, that will go through those three things and um, and go through them pretty well for you, I think. So, uh, yeah, so take a look at that. We'll put a link um, at the end of the show as well. Indeed, yep. Oh, we'll add that into the show notes. Um, thanks for the question, Lucas. All right. Um, Baswa has asked a quick question, Alois, on who is the best table tennis player ever? Boldner. 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 There you go. <laughs> All right, thanks everyone. That wraps up episode 81 of the show. Um, uh, thanks for watching. Make sure you check out pingskills.com. Sign up for our free newsletter if you haven't already. And uh, we look forward to another show tomorrow. Thanks everyone, and thanks Alois. Thanks, Jeff. Yep. Um, yep. So interesting discussions today. I uh, hope that's inspired you to get out there and practice a little bit more. Ping skillers, off you go. Alrighty, thanks everyone. Catch you tomorrow.